being autistic isn't a bad thing. Being disabled isn't a bad thing. You can have pride. You know, it's not something that, you know, needs to be eradicated or you need to be separated from. It's a part of who you are. another episode of Tumult. I'm so excited you're here with me and today we're going to talk about autism. April is Autism Awareness Month and I seized the opportunity to reach out to some activists in the community and educate myself on autism and I was lucky enough to get to talk to the lovely activist, advocate, mother of three, Nikki Hughes from At Autistic Life in Motion. And we're going to talk about her experience as an autistic person herself. Uh, Nikki has two autistic children. We're going to debunk some myths that are out there about autism and the community. We're going to talk about the lack of representation of people of color in the community as uh, Nikki is Romani herself and much, much more. So thank you so much, Nikki, for taking the time to talk to me. It was so enlightening and thank you to everyone listening. Uh, stay tuned until the end where I'm gonna give you some recommendations that were inspired by this episode. And yeah, let's get right into it. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, you can talk as long, as much as you want. I'm, I'm excited about everything you have to say. Um, and then we can start with the first question with your account artistic life in motion uh when did you actually start this account um so i actually started the account um of july of 2019 and originally i started the account um because i wanted to get into more of um the special educational needs community and autistic community um, and my personal Instagram had family and things on it and they just didn't want me constantly sharing and talking about um, autism all the time. So I created the separate account so that it could just be based solely on special needs and um, autism. Um, and then recently, I would say within the last month, I made a Facebook group um, because I was doing a lot of articles and uh, different projects with people so I wanted a place where I could keep um, things um, in one place and where people could uh, share on social media um, and find all the articles sort of shared in one place um, which Instagram doesn't really give you a platform to do um, so that's why I started the the Facebook page um, and that's really it's it's sort of turned into a sort of activist um page for both being Romani and autistic so it's kind of developed from something that I personally just wanted to get involved in community to sort of activism yeah and how did um how was the response actually from from the community do you think a lot of people are looking for that community that you provide I think there's it's it's different because I think um 
my account is something in between. So you have the, well, it's, yes, it's something in between three sort of communities. You've got um, a community for special edu- educational needs parents, because I have autistic children with other um, additional needs. And so I'm kind of in this community where it's like parents of children who have educational needs. Um, Then I'm autistic myself, so I'm part of the autistic community. But then also being Romani, I'm part of the Romani community and the traveller community um, on on social media um, as well. And those sort of groups don't tend to tie in with each other. Um, So my account seems to be those three things in one. Um, I do think that if I could find more people that would, um, who maybe encompass all three or, you know, or have uh, one or two, um, because there are other autistic parents who I find in the autistic community, but then they don't have the same issue of uh, race and discrimination and things like that. Yeah, that's really unique, a really unique combination of very important things, yeah. And talking about communities and media, do you like the way that autism and people on the spectrum are portrayed in media? Is that is there something that you really don't like or that you want to say? Um, so autism in mainstream media is always presented as one or two things it's either um that the autistic child really struggles and is constantly melting down and their parents um marriage end up struggling and it's a like oh my god this is like um a horrible thing that's happened to our family and this terrible thing that has taken over our child and we have such a horrendous time or um, there's the other hand of that where the autistic person is a genius. So they are um, really intelligent and are um, a skilled surgeon or they're like great at maths or, you, you know, they're this kind of genius element to it. Um, and in mainstream media, even in those two examples, it's always seen as a white male um, condition um, and that that it only impacts white men or wh- white boys um, and o- autism is a spectrum and affects people of all races and um, of all gender uh, of all genders yeah um, so autism is you know a cognitive um it's a neurodevelopmental um, condition so those things yeah. don't come into account what your sex what your gender is or what your race is um but mainstream media definitely tends to betray it more as a white male thing and we're all different it's a spectrum as well and um life isn't always um life isn't always terrible as an autistic person and you know, life is a challenge just like for anybody else. Um, So I would like to see mainstream media more present maybe female autistics and to present it more in a a positive light. Um, 
and not have it seen as, you know, marriages break down and things like that when there's an autistic member in the home. Yeah, because that can potentially impact um, people like fearing autism or seeing it as this detrimental thing, right? Yes, I mean, and and the problem with definitely mainstream media seeing it as um, a terrible inflicting thing on a family means that a lot of families, when their child is diagnosed with autism, ends up trying to search for a cure or to fix them in some ways and can easily be led into abusive behaviours. Like in the autistic community, a lot of parents will use cures like um, giving their child bleach. Um, it's MMS, is um, Miracle um, Solution, um, but ultimately it's bleach. And they will make them ingest bleach or give them bleach enemas to try and cure them. Um, or they will go to ABA therapy, which is um, ends up... It, it trains the child to be compliant and to... Um, go against what is um, their natural neurodevelopmental way of thinking um, and causes post-traumatic stress and can also lead them to be in abusive situations and open to abuse because it can te it teaches them compliance in every way. So parents actively seek out these very negative uh, therapies and cures because they feel like um, autism is basically going to destroy their marriages and their lives and their children, and it's something that they need to separate, that they feel autism is something that they need to separate from their child. But ultimately, autism is like anything to do with human beings. It's how our brain thinks. It's a part of our identity. So you can't change that you're autistic any more that you can change your skin colour or your gender or anything like that. So you are who you are and you're born the way that you're born. Um, and it's just a different way of thinking and feeling and experiencing the world. That That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that where you are currently, you're, you're in the UK, do you think there is enough resources and information for parents? Or did you bring a lot of the knowledge because you're autistic yourself? For me, I found out I was autistic through my children getting a diagnosis. Um, so I wasn't diagnosed as a child. I was diagnosed as an adult. So I've gotten the majority of my life um, not realising that I was autistic. And through my kids' diagnosis, um, I began to connect dots and realise that actually this sounded a lot like me and went forward with an adult diagnosis. And I'd been, you know, formally diagnosed, but for a lot, for a, a while I was um, self-diagnosed um, while I was waiting for uh, the medical procedure, you know, um, the pathway to happen. And, and the thing is here in the UK, um, I know that compared to other countries, we're in a very privileged position um, because we do have adult diagnoses, same with children diagnoses, and those are all on the NHS. But depending on where you live in the UK, those can have uh, a long time period. So it expands from two years to six years. 
And during that time when you're not getting any help and support as an autistic person or as a parent to autistic children, um, life can be very difficult in those time frames because you you don't have any access to any services, you don't have any access to support, and it's a very um, tenuous time and and you're constantly waiting and, and constantly struggling and, and you kind of have to go out and... Um, find the information yourself but then at the same time not your child or you maybe not being officially diagnosed that you're living with the doubt because you're like oh I'm putting these therapies in place that I have found online um, but am I doing the right thing and is my child actually autistic or is there something else going on and you don't really know whether you're doing a good thing or a bad thing and if your child is already in school, it means that a lot of the time your child doesn't get the special educational support that they need either um, in this time period. I mean, schools by law are supposed to um, put an element of support in for any child who is struggling at school, but to actually get a, an ECHP, which is Educational Care and Health Plan, you generally need to have a, a diagnosis and a sort of um, have access to speech and language therapy, OT therapy, things like that, professionals. So it can be hard to access those things while you're on the pathway and don't actually have a, an official diagnosis. Yeah. And was that especially a long process for you as an adult or was it similar for your children? So I have been extremely lucky because I live in London and the area that I live in. Um, I've been extremely lucky that my adult diagnosis, I was only on the pathway for eight months. And for my children, it was only, um, so my youngest, it was only six months. And my eldest, it was two years. Okay, okay. So two years sounds like quite a long time right um so for children there are different pathways where I live so there are um early years um which tend to deal with um children under the age of five um and then you've got um the older section which usually goes through um CAMS which is children and mental health services um and that can take a while to actually access yeah And when you were on this pathway or generally as a person with autism, are there any terms, not only media, but just between interactions that you really don't like to be used? Um, so generally what I found from my interaction with the autistic community is that a lot of autistic people have an issue with the symbol of the puzzle piece. Um, a lot of the time, the puzzle piece is connected to Autism Speaks, which is a controversial charity in um, America who um, are searching for a cure um, and they support very abusive therapies for autistic people and really want to eradicate autistic people and um, of it, their adverts and their vision is very problematic to autistic people. So the whole light it up blue is inspired by 
autism speaks and has a connection there, which is why a lot of people, autistic people, have an issue with it. Also, that the puzzle piece they feel is very childish and doesn't reflect um, that autism. Also, autistic children then grow up to be autistic adults and that we aren't children-like or have a missing piece that needs to be figured out. You know, we're not broken in any way. Um, so a lot of autistic people have an issue with uh, Light It Up Blue and the puzzle piece. Um, they also like to be referred to as autistic, uh, as an autistic person rather than someone with autism. So they like to refer to identity first language rather than person first language because a lot of autistic people feel, like I've, I said earlier, that it's part of our identity, it's part of who we are, no more than our gender or our race um, and it's just a and and not something that is separate from us or an accessory that we um, need to get away from. Uh, there's also this idea, you know, like being autistic isn't a bad thing. Being disabled isn't a bad thing. You know, um, you can have pride. You know, it's not something that, you know, needs to be eradicated or you need to be separated from. It's a part of who you are and a part of like really accepting your own identity and your own self is a part of um, accepting that's just the way that you are. You are autistic um, and that you don't need to change that. And um, person first language kind of separates that and um, makes you feel as if it's something that you need to sort of shun or, or, or separate from yourself rather than accept. Um, so those are the things generally in the community that autistic people have an issue with. Thank you for, for telling me that because I used it as a person first uh, may, because I thought that this was the desired way. And also when I was doing research on Autism Speaks, I thought that it's just a regular charity. And then I came across articles um, from autistic people saying that that Autism Speaks doesn't speak for them because they have this very, very controversial um, ideas. And yeah, I'm very glad that you say that again because at first look, it looks very, you know, professional, very serious and like a positive charity. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. you scratch the surface of the charity, you realize that ultimately the, the main goal is to eradicate autism um, and their research is, is going into finding a cure, even testing pregnant women for autism so that, you know, um, that parents have the the option to terminate the pregnancy if it was if the child was seen to be autistic, which would go in the same way as Down syndrome is in the world. So, um, yeah, it's very problematic for people who are autistic because we generally don't feel like there's a reason why we should be eradicated from from the world. And you also talked a little bit about your personal experience. Um, so maybe you could go into your daily experience. Um, are there people or interactions with people that you're like, oh, people, you should really know that about autism. You should really, you know, be more considerate. Is there anything uh, you want to share? Um, 
I would I would like to say my personal experience um I'm autistic to my children are and um a lot of our world is affected by our senses and that we can be very sensory overwhelmed quite quickly and it just takes really minor adjustments to to help us really so say to to go to work we have to commute and that can be a lot of noise um it can be a lot of lights and and smells and you know crowded places these can be over overwhelming for us um sensory wise so it would just mean that when we get to work we could have um a room where we could go that would maybe be quiet or or dark or not have any sensory input so that we could self regulate for even like um 15 to half an hour before then we start our work day and that's how employers can help us you know it's a matter of changing light in 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 our work environment so that you know we don't have um, fluorescent lighting things like that you know and just generally breaks that we could have to constantly um regulate our senses would just mean that we could access the world a lot better and people don't realize that it's is very very um small adaptations that you can make just to make an autistic life's you know a lot autistic person's life a whole lot better and then you can have the gifts that we can give to the world um because a lot of us are you know do have a lot of things to give just like everybody else um in the human race a lot of us are artists who uh, who are creating we're writers you know we're um we're we're actors we're technology geniuses you know there's loads of things that we have to to give to the world and it's very very small adaptations um that we need to just make our work environment so much better also when the social element um in regards to socially interacting with autistics a lot of the time we have direct language so what we're saying is what we mean um there are no hidden agendas there is no something that you have to work out um there's no hidden message there's no read between the lines in our language um so generally if we say something to you that's generally how we think and that's how we feel and we're just very direct and very blunt about those things that's just how we communicate um it doesn't mean that how we communicate is bad or how you communicate is bad um or good either way it's just a difference in communicating so when you're socializing with an autistic person just be mindful of the fact that we just communicate in a different way um and just be honest with your communication if you don't understand something that we're saying or you go oh well actually that was a bit harsh or um you know that kind of hurt my feelings you know just be honest with with things we don't get micro expressions or um hints in different types of emotions or things like that so like we won't necessarily know that we've upset your feelings or um that you were bored or you know all these sort of things you have to maybe communicate more verbally and and be honest um rather than expecting us to pick up tiny sort of micro um expressions and things like that 
um, also understand socially that we have different, we might have different interests. So autistic people have special interests, which are things that in our lives we really center on and we tend to find out everything about that certain subject and we like to share um, um, what we affectionately refer to as info dumping. So in conversations, we'll tell you everything that we know about, say, trains and what size the engine was, what fuel it uses, what the gauges were, you know, we'll tell you all these sort of things. And um, a lot of people find those, obviously, those subjects boring. What I would say to you is if you find an aut autistic person and they are info dumping, be respectful, listen, um, because a lot of autistic people will listen to neurotypical people uh, about small talk um, subjects like, you know, um, I'm uh, reality TV, you know, what is being said, what the weather's like, things like that. We'll politely listen to you guys. So, you know, politely listen to us too. Um and don't really sort of complain that we've just spoken for half an hour about a subject that you're not really into. Because ultimately, as human beings, we all need, we're all learning, we're constantly learning. Um, and it's always a great thing to learn something new from somebody else. So although you may not have a personal interest in trains, it's good to sort of always listen to new information and go okay well that's something that I didn't know um, before so now I know, do know <laughs> exactly no that's so so true but people should generally always listen and respect right from your experience uh, when you tell people about these things like when you info dump do you usually get that's a sort of respect that you want um generally no People tend to, um, so one of my special interests is history um, and politics, Why? which is why I've um, ended up in activism um, through my Instagram page, is because um, I'm a very politically minded person. It's something that I am interested in um and and tend to always um gravitate to um same with history so a lot of the time you know i can give you information about history of a certain place or a certain subject or things that have happened or i will talk about politics and generally unless you uh, a neurotypical is interested in those subjects i tend to I tend to not get the respect of that um, and that people generally are like going bored or will interrupt and try and change the subject or be like, oh, Leah, let's go over here. And um, so, yeah, a lot of interruption when I'm I'm trying to speak because um, they don't really find it interesting. So it's all like, you know, I feel like generally we, people communicate um, they listen to respond, not actually listen to actually take in what somebody is saying. Um, they're not generally listening. And I think it's a trait that in this world with constant bombardment of like instant, um, instantaneous entertainment, like so everything is at our fingertips. 
um, that we just don't sit and, and take the time to, to listen and reflect anymore, that we're just constantly, our brains are always on the go because everything's instant now. Um, so it'd be, yeah, it would be nice to, if, um, if people just sat back and really was like, oh yeah, you know, that's great information rather than thinking I need stimulus in this constantly. Like this conversation has to benefit benefit me in some way um and be for my interest and and what I want and uh, you know we should engage for the sake of engaging socially and go back to like generally um what socializing is about which is like engaging with another person uh rather than our own sort of fulfillment yeah some people they really just like to to talk I guess and they don't care what is coming back right but in in your um, experience is it important for you when you meet uh, new people that you tell them that you're autistic um see I still because I'm very um still quite newly diagnosed um as an adult so to me this is something that I'm still working on myself um whether or not it is something that I personally want to share and it all depends on how I feel the intent of that person so um if I feel that I could trust that person and that person isn't going to necessarily judge me for it then I might express that I'm autistic but I find that generally as an adult um, it's very difficult because I think once people find that you're autistic, they tend to um, change the way that they treat me. So they tend tend to treat me like childlike, um, um, and take everything. They don't want to necessarily debate with me, or you know what I mean. It's kind mm -hmm. of like they treat me in a in the sense that. Um, They don't want to be the one seen punching a kitten, you know? Um, so they don't want to um, necessarily debate with me or counter my opinion or argument or um, and really sort of like... And then they feel like anything that they feel I've done well, they'll overly express that, that they wouldn't do to another adult. So you know, like how you do with children, you go, oh, you're fantastic, well done, good girl. You know, they tend to do that sort of thing um, with me, like I've done something exceptional by getting myself dressed that morning. Um, mm. so, um, generally it's, it's very difficult because when you want to be taken seriously as an adult, um, especially when you're a parent and you're advocating for your children, um, to get support and their needs, it's very difficult when people personally, um, yeah, infantize you and make, uh, and treat you childlike, um, and that you don't have any cognitive ability um so that it's very hard to determine um in certain situations whether or not I should come forward because ultimately the law means that if I say autistically there should be accommodations made for me but then at the same time people don't tend to take what I say um seriously when I do say that I'm autistic um so it's kind of a catch-22 Yeah, and 
Where do you think this insensitivity of neurotypicals can come from? If that is like the general, uh, your general impression and experience, do you think there's like a lack of education of neurotypicals and, or how to understand or just, you know, basic human interaction skills that are sometimes not really present in these moments? I think because um, definitely in mainstream media and on social media, um, there is a big pool of um, when you search autism, uh, generally it comes up with children and parents of children um, and it's it's very much seen as a childlike condition um, that as, a, as an adult when you say that you're autistic a lot of people go back from that experience of they're like oh I know somebody whose child has autism or what they've seen in the media and they tend to reflect that back on onto you that it's a how they would treat a child so they expect you not to have the cognitive ability of somebody as an adult who could actually have opinions hold a conversation have meetings things like that you know they they don't really see that you can be a, a parent or in a happy marriage or in a successful job they they feel that um it it's seen as a disability and a cognitive ability uh, disability um so that you're not able to do this that's not to say that some autistic people don't struggle with a learning disability because my youngest child um is autistic and who is nonverbal so he doesn't speak at all and his nonverbal communication is very limited too and he has a learning disability on top of that so his development is that of a um a one year old to um 18 months and he's five years old so there are autistic people who do have a cognitive ability but that isn't necessarily connected to autism that is a comorbid condition that comes along with um, autism for some people so for me and uh, my other son we are cognitively fine um, with no delays at all um, no developmental delays at all um, so that's why it's a spectrum and it's a varying of things. So I would say even for those autistic people who have like learning disabilities alongside, I would say always um, treat them as if they could do something first before them making um, adaptations for them after realizing that actually those things are too difficult for them but don't just assume that they they won't understand you or that they won't get what you're saying or that they couldn't do these things for themselves because you know they, there is a possible um a huge possibility that they could do um and we see that in um also in communities like with Down syndrome and with other conditions that um, have learning disabilities um, is that when they're adults people still treat them like children like oh well done you went and did your own shopping or they get offended when this person swears 
or that they talk about sex and relationship or anything like that, um, that they they kind of surprised and sort of treat them like children and say, how dare you? And, and, you know, this person is an adult and they have those feelings just like anybody else. You know, they they want to get married. They want to have children. They they think about sex. You know, um, these are all things that people still do when they're of a certain age and which is fine for in the able-bodied neurotypical world people wouldn't bat an eyelid at that but with somebody with a disability people tend to think oh my god why would you think that and sort of treat them as if they're a child and go oh my god that's really disgusting that you're thinking this way um or behaving in that way um so generally I I do think that you know, people need to realise that um, with certain conditions like um, autism, that, you know, we these children grow up, they become adults. Um, you know, it's it sounds like a bit like uh, the boogeyman, but, you know, the autistics could be your colleagues or living next door to you, you know. Um, they could be the, one, the person that you're talking to in the pub and that you get along really well with. Um but yeah, you know, so it's it's not always this case that um, autistics will outly have some like third head or something like that that you you need to be concerned and and worried about, um, and they're not childlike. You know, they we live um, we live lives, we have marriages, we have jobs. Um, uh, it's just that we struggle in um, certain elements because this world isn't built for us. Um, and that's why we struggle. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really, really powerful message. And and as we already said in the beginning, that your community encompasses various communities, which is so nice. And I've read one of your articles, um, and it really struck me that uh, you said that there is a lack of representation of people of color in the community and I wanted to ask you why you think that that is and and what maybe the implications for people of color are um, that are maybe elevated in in the community for me um, I definitely see that there is a cultural element um, to why there's a lack of representation because a lot of um, people of color's cultures different cultures in the world um they can have a quite negative view uh, about disabilities and some cultures are very superstitious um so they can see that like they have been cursed or um that something has gone wrong um and it or something that they necessarily have done themselves as parents to cause this kind of situation. So there is a cultural element of uh, why some people of colour don't speak out when they have a disability or their children has a disability themselves um, compared to white people who will generally overly... Uh, will go on social media um, and will set up groups and um, be more representative out there. Um, but then it's also the same as for people of colour. 
the the system and with uh, systematic racism, it means that they don't also want to put an extra target on their back. Um, so if you add that your colour or your race means that you have a lot of prejudice online, adding a disability to that will just add fire, uh, fire to uh, fuel to that fire, meaning that other people have an extra thing to insult you about. Um, and or and if you're a parent to um, children with a disability. Um, it could mean that, you know, as a parent, you're trying to protect them in every single way. Um, and if you feel that in society, um, people don't like you because of your ethnicity um, and you face racism and prejudice, you're also not going to put your vulnerable child out there for people to, again, mock um, and um, be insulting of. Um, so you find that a lot of people tend to um tend to hold back um and that's why there's this kind of lack of representation and because uh people of color face um discrimination out there in the world that i feel like uh white people um generally don't um experience especially for uh black autistics in america um, they are likely to be shot or um, for being suspicious or behaving suspiciously um, compared to their white counterparts. Um, same with indigenous people in America. Um, the police are likely to arrest them and, uh, and shoot them. Um, so their lives are on the line because they're autistic, because they might be stimming out in public or don't understand the instructions from the police officer or that generally maybe somebody will just call the police because they are walking past their house. Um, in some countries that, that does happen. In some countries obviously there's a lack of ex education and a, a, a lack of resources, um, especially medical resources um, that we ha in our Western society we have online, which means that the culture can be really embedded in superstition and um, old thought patterns of being cursed and things like that. It's n these sort of negative behaviours. So it can be very difficult to come forward, especially as an adult, because, again, you don't want people to think that... Uh, I think when you're as a person of colour, when you're really struggling to have your voice heard and your opinions heard, um, on top of then, again, like I said I said before, when people treat your child like when you have a disability, add race on top of that is compiled into you're never going to make an impact. Or um, So if you're at, at work and you already feel like there's... Um, that you're fighting a battle to be heard because of your ethnicity, adding a disability onto that um, can make things ten times worse. So that's why I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why people don't actually come forward. And I think it's yeah, a lot of it has to do with fear. Is why that a lot of people don't actually come forward. Yeah, and and what do you think? are the consequences of not maybe expressing it but also not seeking 
any help if the help is needed and for the person's well-being what what is a consequence that could come from that fear um a consequence is that either if you're an autistic adult or a parent to autistic children is that that can be very isolating um, and that means that you don't have a community and you don't have an, a, a positive impact in your life. Um, and a lot of, I know for uh, being Romani, um, suicide uh, rates are high in our community. Um, and I know in the autistic community, um, suicide rates are high too. So when you put those two things together, the likelihood of somebody who is a person of colour and autistic, the likelihood of them committing suicide is huge. So having a community that understands both sides, your autistic side and your ethnic side and your culture of that, um, really could benefit people because they wouldn't feel so isolated, wouldn't feel so alone. They could speak about the things that impact their life with somebody else who would truly have, understand how they were feeling and give them general advice. When you are struggling to get the support as an parent um, to an autistic child, um, the system can be very overwhelming so to have somebody who understands and says uh, and understands how the law and and is able to cater support generally for your needs and keep uh, as well as you know keeping into mind your ethnicity um and the way that you communicate and and how things affect you that can really be beneficial to people it means that the support is put in place and that the organisations and the system is held to account by the law. Um, so it is great for advice and, and camaraderie and to help your mental health to be involved in a community that can generally understand your ethnicity and cultural needs as well as being autistic. Yeah, and it's so great that you provide that platform of community and then people can go from there i'm generally finding that as i that i probably have found maybe uh seven other people who are uh romani as well as uh, being autistic so there is a community that is slowly growing out there of adults that are online who are both autistic and romani uh where we can share our experiences and um really kind of build up a community and and to generally help um to help those in our in our own community because um that was it's really a goal of mine to help people within my own community and my own ethnicity um to understand and accept autism and to support them within my own community and then to go on in fighting for inclusion um, in the wider autistic community, wider SIN community and the wider community in general. So generally I want to impact my own community first and get the message out there that it's okay um, if your child is diagnosed with autistic or that you think you're autistic because there's a huge amount of um, people of colour who have 
a real struggle to get diagnosed, um, their children or them themselves. So, um, and then on top of that, there's a issue with females being diagnosed and misdiagnosed as other conditions in, uh, with mental health. Um, so you have a huge generation of people who are adults who are just finding out or who don't find out at all. So the access to actually get in this information and getting formal diagnosis and really knowing why you're so different can can really lead people to be suicidal and have have mental health issues because of that. Um, so I really want to reach out to other um, Gypsy Roman traveller people who may have felt different their whole entire life and may have struggled with things in their lives and, and didn't really understand and maybe felt like a bit of an alien or an outsider constantly, you know, feeling this this way um, and not really understanding why they they feel this way to really maybe um, speak to them and, and, and say, you know, is this, uh, could you consider that you might be autistic, support them into accessing formal diagnoses for themselves, and then to help them with their support with children as well. If um, parents of children think that their child might be autistic, helping them to get the help and support that they need. Because I feel like with our community, we're generally, the settled community, believe that we are uh, criminals and misbehaviour anyway. So generally teachers tend to deem us, uh, if a child is struggling in school, as just misbehaviour rather than something something else going on that they might start another child on the process to maybe get diagnosis and um, to seek a paediatrician or medical support. Um, but with um, my community, they tend to just write them off as bad children or that they won't be in school for long, um, so there's no point investing in their their futures and in their lives. Um, so I would like to be able to reach my community and say, you know, this is how you can get help and support. This is how you can use the law to make sure that you or your child is supported and that we actually have a network of, of supporting each other um, and generally talking about things like mental health and how we actually feel and how life impacts us sometimes. Um, but also getting the message out that it is also a positive thing. So just because your child may be diagnosed with autism or that you are autistic yourself, it doesn't mean that you won't necessarily go on to have a fulfilling life. Um and that you can't get married, have children, do all the things that everybody else does, really. Um, so I want to show that, in on one hand, um, that I have a life just like everybody else, but um, also that it's okay to be different and to think different and to struggle and those things be okay too. Even though this is our final question you can still add whatever you want to say after this question of course but I definitely wanted to ask you what makes you feel the most powerful and empowered in your everyday life I think 
my home and my family life. Because there are there are five of us, there are me and my husband and three children. Um me and two of my children are autistic, but my husband and my eldest son isn't. Um and generally at home we understand each other, we respect each other, our environment is built so that everybody is safe and happy. So when I'm at home, I feel the most um, powerful and, and empowered because my family members make the environment like that. And I'm respected and I'm always listened to and my needs are, my needs are respected. And it means that I have somewhere safe to come home to when the world is all too much. Um, and I know that this is my safe space. This is where... I are going to be able to express myself that no one's going to judge my meltdowns. Um, no one's going to judge when I'm having a hard day. Um, there are no, yeah, there are no expectations or judgment or anything like that. Um, and that's what makes me feel most powerful and, um, and empowered um, just having that safe environment and that's one thing that I would say to anybody who's autistic or has a family member who's autistic is that like generally you know make your home that 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 someone's safe space um, where they can come home to when the world is too much they can feel like your arms are somewhere that they can come home to and feel comfortable and not judged and loved just for who they are because that's the most important thing in this world is to constantly feel um is to feel loved that's the basis of what it what everybody wants is to feel loved just for being who they are um and that will just help the person that you love in every element of their life their mental health being autistic being neurotypical just anybody just that pure notion of being able to come home and the basis of being loved just for who you are. Thank you so much for making it until the end of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one and thank you again, Nikki for taking the time to talk to me. I learned so much from you. I really, really appreciate that. And as I said, I want to shout out some accounts that helped me to get insights into the community and into autism. And that is, for example, the Autistic OT on Facebook. She does a lot of videos and articles, super informative, a lot of live streams, and she manages it so well. And it's really, really informative then the autistic life on instagram it's an account that solely posts quotes and facts and um, also like facts in terms of individual experience from the curator and it's really really informative and then the world with alfie i love this account it's so nice like really lovely insights and just you know a really nice family that you can follow 
And yeah, that's only a couple. There's so many more, but I gotta gotta stop somewhere. From there, you can go and inform yourself further. And of course, this is not a medical point of view. I intentionally focused on the social and individual experience. And of course, that is different for everybody. So please keep that in mind. And I hope you're still watching. Maybe you can take a look on your screen if you're watching from your uh, smartphone. The illustration you're seeing is again custom made from Happy to Borders. I love it and Nikki loves it so much too. She said that it's very, very close to what she wanted to convey in our conversation. And I'm so appreciative of Happy to Borders that they keep supplying me with amazing artwork. Can't believe it. Thank you so much. And as you might have noticed, I am trying to upload every second Monday. I really hope uh, I'll stick to that. Alright, so uh, have a lovely week, a lovely day, a lovely evening whenever you listen to this. And I'll see you again soon.